0: Like I said, I can't tell you how good it is to be together for Easter. Uh, This time last year, I was preaching to a camera, and of all events that I have been looking forward to returning, Easter was at the top of my list. And as we emerge from this past year, there obviously will be so many things that are discussed for years to come. This morning, I want to talk about something that doesn't get the attention that I think it deserves. One of the unforeseen consequences of the pandemic is the acceleration of the rise of conspiracy theories. Conspiracies have gone so mainstream that people I never believed would entertain them are really getting into them. I asked someone I totally trust is, you know, level headed, individual if he uh, believed in conspiracy theories. And he said, uh, why? Who are you working for? (laughs) So what used to exist on the fringes of society is now taking over society. Now, why is that? There are many reasons being presented, but one that isn't being discussed enough is is the rise of conspiracy theories is coinciding with the decline of religion. One of the ironies of the secular age that is upon us, the secular age that prides itself on human reason and rationality, is how much that age is yielding some pretty crazy ideas. And the reason, I believe, is that we cannot shut off that religious impulse inside us all. And so, as traditional religions are rejected, conspiracy theories, which have all the markings of religions in themselves, are filling that void. But what if religion itself is a conspiracy? What if what we are here celebrating this morning is the greatest conspiracy theory history has ever produced? You do realize that many think that about this gathering. Many think that about the resurrection, including perhaps some of us here this morning or or watching online. We have said multiple times in our liturgy already, and we will say it many more times to each other this morning, he is risen indeed. The word indeed means without question, an established fact, In undeniable truth. You do realize how audacious it is to apply that word to a dead man coming back to life. We don't say he is risen, maybe. He is risen, probably. We say he is risen indeed. Friends, to the rest of the watching world, that's crazy talk. As crazy as you view those who believe in crazy conspiracy theories. Well, what I want to do this morning is I want to put the audacity of he is risen indeed to the test. And to do so, I'm going to ask two simple questions that I want to suggest are history's most significant questions. It all comes down to this. What if it's untrue? What if it's true? What if it's untrue? Verse 12. Now if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some say, how can some say that there is no resurrection of the dead? If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. Now here's what's important about this. Apparently there is already doubt and debate even in the early church about all this resurrection business. And of course there was. It's a crazy claim. The pre-enlightened first century world was well aware of what we in the modern world know. When people die, they stay dead. And the way Paul engages this early church debate is with a little thought experiment. Essentially, he says, okay, let's suppose for the sake of argument that Jesus isn't risen from the dead. What would that mean for us? What it would mean Paul is going to say is literally the entire the entirety of the Christian faith falls apart and our religion is useless. I want us to follow his nightmarish argument. Verse 14, if Christ has not been raised then our preaching is in vain. Our preaching refers to the apostles' preaching. Jesus did not leave the world writings. He left the world witnesses called apostles. They were the intimate eyewitnesses to Jesus and especially his resurrection whose testimonies founded the church and formed the New Testament scriptures. And Paul says if Jesus is not risen, the apostles' preaching is in vain. Why? Why? Because the resurrection was the authority and content of their preaching. Essentially what they did, not essentially, literally what they did was go about the ancient world telling everyone that Jesus of Nazareth is risen from the dead. We saw it ourselves. What this means is that he is your true Lord and Savior. So if Christ is not raised, then preaching, which is based solely upon the resurrection, is in vain and should be ignored. What that means for us is that your New Testament is in vain and should be ignored. Continue on. Our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. What makes Christianity unique is that it is not a religion of performance, but of faith. You don't save yourself. You place your faith in Jesus to save you, to do for you what other religions expect you to do for yourself. Well, why should we place our faith in Jesus? Why trust our everlasting souls to Jesus? That's a pretty significant, important leap of faith. One reason, he is risen from the dead. His resurrection is that decisive vindication that he can be trusted, that you should put your faith in him. If he is risen from the dead, then of course you can trust this man with everything, including your salvation. But if not, Paul says we have trusted in vain, and indeed we have. We have been swindled. We who have trusted in Jesus, have trusted history's greatest charlatan. In fact, the majority of people who have ever lived on this planet have been conned by Jesus. And then we must face the consequences of our faith being in vain. The nightmare that what we were trusting Jesus to do, he has not done, verse 17. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, And you are still in your sins. Ultimately, our faith in Christ is for the forgiveness of sins. We trust that He is the answer to our greatest problem. Now, listen, you have a lot of problems in life. Many of them have been exacerbated over this past year, but none of them compare to the problem. You are a sinner. I am a sinner. We have disobeyed and dishonored our creator. That's a problem. That is the problem that religions are trying to fix. Like I said, every other religion asks you to fix that problem. Jesus asks you to trust him to fix that problem. He will bear your sins on the cross. He will receive the judgment you deserve. He is your substitute. Fundamentally, that's what we are trusting Jesus to do for us. And Paul says, rightfully so, that if Christ is not raised, your faith is in vain, which means you are still in your sins. It didn't work. The gospel is not good news, it is fake news. And so now we're back to that insurmountable dilemma of sins that no amount of religion can fix, which is where Paul goes verse 18. Then also those who have fallen asleep in Christ, meaning those who go to their grave trusting Jesus, have perished. Perish, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him will not perish. Paul is saying that if Christ is not raised, then that famous verse that countless souls have clung to throughout the centuries is a lie, and we are, in fact, facing a perished destiny forevermore. So, what if it's untrue? Paul depressingly sums it all up in verse 19. If in Christ we have hoped in this life only, we are, of all people, most to be pitied. And he is right. If Christ is not raised, then I have before me a gathering of fools. We are, more than anyone else in this world, the most to be pitied. So let's go home and stop embarrassing ourselves. The Bible is in vain. Your faith is in vain. Forgiveness of sins is in vain. The hope of everlasting life is in vain. If Jesus lies in the tomb, then all hope lies dead with him. And you need to leave this sanctuary and never return. Throw your Bible in the trash... And get busy sucking every last ounce of pleasure from this fleeting life before the grave takes you as its prey and it's your turn to stand before God and face his judgment or the secularist is right and you will be extinguished into nothingness, neither pleasant options, but that's what you are facing if the resurrection is untrue. Happy Easter. Let's go hunt eggs. Or it's true. We have dared to ask the question, what if it's untrue? We have conceded the existential darkness of that answer. Now, let's close by considering the other possibility. What if this is true? I love what Paul does here in First Corinthians 15. He takes us down the road of despondency that I've taken us down, forcing us to come face to face with what is at stake culminating in that depression conclusion, if Christ is not raised from the dead, we are of all men most to be pitied. Then verse 20, but in fact, Christ has been raised. Now I want you to notice two words. He did not say Christ has been raised from the dead. He said, but in fact, Christ has been raised. To Paul, it's a fact. To Paul, he is risen indeed. Now, how can he be so sure? He's sure because he's seen it with his own eyes. He encountered the risen Jesus himself. If you yourself are an eyewitness, then you are allowed to say it's a fact. Now, you might say, well, I haven't gotten to see that. Why should I trust Paul's words here, even though I myself have not seen the resurrection, resurrected Jesus? Should I trust him? Yes, you should. The fact that it's Paul saying this is uniquely compelling. And if you've been with us in our sermon series on Acts, you know why that is. No historian, no historian, not even the most skeptical, critical historian against Christianity denies the story of Paul, also known as Saul of Tarsus. Here is what is undisputable. Historically speaking, you can't argue this. He was Christianity's first and fiercest opponent. His one goal was to put an end to early Christianity. And then out of nowhere, he became Christianity's greatest champion. His one goal was to spread Christianity. All of a sudden, he went from wanting to kill followers of Jesus to dying as a follower of Jesus. Utterly unique, religiously speaking. What in the world happened to this man? He met Jesus, risen from the dead. What was he supposed to do with that encounter except to admit he was obviously wrong and then give up everything, including his own life, to tell the world about Jesus? Listen to me very carefully. This is very important. Paul is why we know for certain that the resurrection business was not a conspiracy theory contrived many years after the death of Jesus, as you might hear on the History Channel or something like that. There's a lot of debate, mostly uninformed debate, about the reliability of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. When they were written... Are they reliable? Did they have an agenda? Could it be later attempts to support a conspiracy theory about Jesus? If you want to have that conversation, we can. But what doesn't get enough attention is that way before the gospels were written, we have Paul's writings. And again, nobody argues against the authenticity of Paul and his writings. This letter we are looking at right now is a real historical document written to real historical people about 20 years after Rome crucified Jesus. Do you know how compelling that is? Knowing that, listen to this verse. Three of our chapter. I deliver to you of first importance what I also received. Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scripture. He was buried, and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scripture. He appeared to Cephas, that's Peter, then to the twelve, then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time. Most of them are still alive. Do you know how compelling that is? 500 people saw Jesus risen from the dead. Most of them are still alive. You can go ask them for yourselves. Meaning, it is verifiable or falsifiable by contemporary witnesses. It's one thing for me to say. Many years ago, my great-great-great-grandparents saw a guy risen from the dead, and the story's gotten passed down through our family generation, and you're just going to have to trust me that it happened. Okay, that's one way to think of it. It's another thing to say that I went to a guy's funeral... I read his obituary in the Lexington Herald-Leader, and now he's been hanging out around town in Lexington. Everybody's been seeing him, and you can go talk to them yourself. People think the resurrection of Jesus is the former, when in reality, it's the latter. And nobody can pull off the latter unless it's true. So please listen to me with attentiveness worthy of history's most significant claim. This is not a conspiracy of few. This isn't an ancient legend passed down through the years. This is a monumental historical event attested to by hundreds of witnesses recorded by independent sources. This is one of, if not the most thoroughly documented and confirmed event in ancient history. Leading legal scholar Simon Greenleaf, who was instrumental in making Harvard Law School the prestigious academy it is, Greenleaf, with his astute legal mind, made this assessment. Of the resurrection. So overwhelming is the evidence. That it takes more faith. To not believe the resurrection. Than it does to believe in it. Or. As Paul plainly says. In fact. Jesus is risen from the dead. Friends. It's true. It is actually true. What does that mean? It means that we can go through all the things we talked about in the first point, all the things that are compromised if Christ is is not risen from the dead, and say since Christ is risen, so too are those promises. So let's end this morning by just getting crazy with hope. Paul says, if Christ is not raised, our preaching is in vain. Well, since Christ is in fact raised, the preaching of the apostles as contained in this Bible was and is a bulwark of steadfast truth, and you can, without hesitation, base your entire life upon that book. Paul says, if Christ is not raised, your faith is in vain. Well, since Christ is in fact raised, your faith in him will never, ever be put to shame. He is unwavering, unfailing, unshakable, and without a hint of reluctance or fear, you can bank your everlasting soul on Jesus Christ. He is literally incapable of failing you. Paul says if Christ is not raised, we are still in our sins. Well, since Christ is in fact raised, those who trust in him are no longer in your sins. So where are your sins? Buried in the tomb Jesus walked out of every single last one of them extinct. Paul says if Christ is not raised, then we go to our graves perishing. Well, since Christ is in fact raised, the grave is now but a pathway into our eternal life, which is why I don't blame blame Paul who concludes this chapter by saying, oh death, where is thy sting? Seriously, where is your sting, death? Death. The one who came back from the dead has rendered death as threatening as a nap. We close our eyes and open them in paradise. That's it? That's death? Where is thy sting? Paul says, if Christ is not raised, then we are most to be pitied. Well, since Christ is in fact raised, then we are not pitied. We are right. We soon shall be vindicated. You can mock persecute and even martyr us, but you can't pity us because there is nothing pitiful about our destiny. And by the way, don't you self-pity, Christian. Woe is me, so hard to be a Christian in the world. Stop it. Soon every knee shall bow and tongue confess that the risen Lord Jesus is king, and we who gladly bowed the knee and confessed him as Lord will be vindicated. So I've, I've, I've answered both questions. Here we go. Which side of this resurrection divide do you find yourself this Easter Sunday? If Christ is not raised, then all of this is in vain. If Christ has been raised, then all of this is true. Paul says, in fact, indeed, Christ has been raised. To him, it's a fact. What is it to you? If you are here or watching online... And you are unconvinced. You are not a follower of Jesus. First, I want to thank you very much for considering history's greatest assertion. You are right to at least give it your consideration this morning. I have only one question for you. I am not going to ask you if you find this message inspiring. I'm not going to try to manipulate your emotions or manufacture certain feelings. I'm not going to ask you what you think of me or our church If you had a good experience this morning, I'm not entering the realm of subjective opinions because speaking candidly, it doesn't matter. What matters is one concrete, objective, specific question. Is Jesus Christ risen from the dead? Don't become a Christian because you feel like it. Feelings come and go. Don't become a Christian because it will improve your life. It will actually make your life harder, better but harder. Don't become a Christian because I want you to, your parents want you to, your friend who invited you'd want you to. That's not sustainable. It has to be your faith. Don't become a Christian because you find your emotions stirred during this service this morning. Your emotions will grow cold. Don't become a Christian because you like the community it offers. We will let you down and we will hurt you. No, become a Christian for only one reason. It's true. And it is true because he is risen. Now to the followers of Jesus Christ, to the struggling, often faltering, besieged by doubts, mocked by others, living by faith, people of God, please listen to me. Every one of you, please listen to me. It's true. All of it. Your Bible is really true. The good news of the gospel is really true. Forgiveness of sins is really true. You really are going to heaven when you die. You really will be raised from the dead, just like Jesus was. The new heavens and the new earth really is your final destiny. All sadness and sin and pain and death really will come undone. You really will live forever with God in perfect joy and peace. All of it is true indeed because Christ is risen he is risen indeed. Let me pray. Fill our hearts with hope, O Jesus. Risen King. All of it is true. May we leave here in full assurance of that truth. In Jesus' name, amen.